is this the end of the world? Right now, it's easy to feel like the world is falling apart. And the Bible talks about the end of the world when Jesus comes back. Is that now? Welcome to the New Community Church Podcast. We're continuing to talk about tough questions, and this week we're wrestling with if we're in the end times. And this week is part two as we answer the question, is this the end of the world? Continuing our series, Asking for a Friend. And here's Pastor Aaron. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a great start to your Sunday morning. And if this is your first time here at NCC, if you've never been with us before, but you're joining us online, we just want to welcome you. And let me start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here at New Community Church in Mesquite, Texas. And we're a church that's passionate about making people and places new. And we are so excited that you're with us this Sunday morning. We're in our third week of this series of conversations called Asking for a Friend. We're looking at some of the questions that all of us have, but maybe we're too embarrassed to ask. And so we're asking for a friend. And this overarching theme throughout all this series as we look at a lot of different questions is this right here, that it is God's word that is the foundation of our life, not our feelings, not our opinions. God's word is the foundation for our life, not our feelings, not our opinions. And so it's not what we're feeling at the moment. It's not what we have heard others say, but we're looking and we're digging down into God. What does your word say? What do you talk about whenever you're looking at this? And so last week we started with this question, is this the end of the world? And we looked at some things that Jesus talks about, some signs and some things that are going to happen at the end of the world and what it is that Jesus is asking us to do. How do we apply this to our life right now, right here in this moment that we are living in? Well, today we're gonna continue with that very same question. Is this the end of the world, part two? Is this the end of the world, part two? And when I was thinking about this message, I thought of something that happened when I was right in between the 10th and 11th grade, I think it was. We lived in Colorado Springs. This was kind of a dark period in my life because I wasn't following Jesus. Um, my parents would make my brother and I go to church, but really wasn't living a life that honored God, um, had some very destructive habits inside of my life. And I remember one night I was hanging out at a friend's house. It was my best friend Richie's house. And I called my parents and I said, mom and dad, uh, I forgot my keys at the house. They always lock the door. So, hey, I forgot my keys. And I just wanted to make sure you guys are going to be home. I'm probably going to leave in like 15, 20 minutes and just wanted to check someone was going to be there. Mom and dad are like, yeah, we're, we're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. You're fine. So Richie and I hung out for a few more minutes and then we got in his truck and he drove me home and dropped me off at the house. And so then he headed out. I walked up to my front door. Um, I checked the front door and it was locked. And I thought, oh, okay. Um, so I knock on the door. Wait a minute. No one comes to the door. And I start to panic a little bit. So I walk to the garage. I look inside. It looks like both the vehicles are in there, um, but I don't know what's going on. So I go back, knock on the door, wait a little bit longer. And at this point, it seems like a long time. Probably had only been a few minutes, but I start to panic like what's happening. And so I walk to the back of my house and I look inside. I could look into the living room and the lights are on. The lights are on the living room and kitchen. The TV's still going. 
and I start to panic. And I don't know why, but the first thought that came into my mind is the rapture just happened. Now, in case you didn't grow up in church and you have no idea what this what this means of the rapture just happened. I grew up um, in a time where it was preached about a lot that Jesus was coming back at any moment. The those that were followers of Christ would be immediately, they would disappear from the earth and chaos would ensue. It'd be this crazy thing that would happen. And um, I grew up in a church context where people preached about that a lot. It was talked about a lot. Jesus could come at any moment. And if you weren't serving God, if you weren't, if you had sin in your life, then Jesus was going to leave you behind and you were going to face this horrible destruction. And immediately that's where my mind went, oh no, my parents just said they were going to be home. The lights are on. The TV's still going. This is the moment that it happened. The rapture just took place. And I got left behind. And all of a sudden, I go back to the front of my house. I'm walking up and down my street. And I'm starting to freak out. Like, what do I do? I miss this moment. Jesus, I missed you. Tears start to come down my eyes. I'm freaking out. And so I sit down. I remember sitting down on the front steps of my porch. And I start to think, okay, what do I need to do? And immediately I realized, okay, there is no way my brother went to be with Jesus, okay? I know that's horrible, but he was way worse than I was. And so I thought, there's no way Michael um, actually made it. You know, Jesus came back. There's no way Jesus is taking Michael. And so I'll wait till my brother gets home and then we'll break into the house. We'll take all of mom and dad's credit cards and all of their bank cards and, and we'll go get all the money out we can. We'll go get a bunch of supplies. We live in Colorado. We'll go find a cabin out in the mountains and we'll just hide out and see what happens. And so I'm racing through all of these scenarios, everything that I remember people preaching about and what was gonna happen and what would take place and what all of this would look like. And I'm sitting there, what felt like an eternity was probably only 30 minutes. And then I see my parents' car coming down the street and they pull into the driveway and I run over, I'm wiping tears from my face and, and I'm trying not to let my parents know that I that I was crying and I go up and dad's like, what's going on? And I was like, I didn't know where you guys were. You said you were gonna be here. And they were like, yeah, we just ran and grabbed ice cream. And so they were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I was too embarrassed to tell them, hey, I thought Jesus just came back and I got left here on this earth and I was about to face this horrible thing. I grew up with this kind of fear in my life. And maybe you never knew about the rapture. Maybe you didn't know that kind of scenario. So maybe that wasn't your fear. It's not your fear now, but maybe it's that question of how will all of this end? What will this look like? Will there be a zombie apocalypse? Will it be some kind of disease? Will it be World War III? Will it be some kind of nuclear holocaust? Like what will happen to bring all of this to an end? It's a real question that we have. And Sometimes it's a real fear that we will that we face. Like, God, what will all of this look like? And, and we trust God, but, but maybe we don't know how it's all going to end and what it will all look like when it's all over. And so we want to go to scripture. And what is it that Jesus says? What is it that he challenges us with? Because once again, we want to look at God. How do we take your word and what it is that you're saying? How do we apply that to our life right now in this moment that we're living in? And so once again, I had the opportunity to sit down with John Jones. If you saw the message last week, you may have seen that interview that we did. That was part one. And, and I asked him a few more questions. And so I want to bring you in on that conversation that I had with John about what does this look like at the end of the world? John, so this is our second week of talking about is this the end of the world? 
and I loved all of the responses you had for week one. And so let me ask you a few more questions to help us understand what the Bible says um, once again about the end times and what we know is kind of the end of the world or what we may phrase as that. So let me start with this question. Are there scriptures in the New Testament during the time of Christ and as the church is getting started that talk about the end of the world? Is this just an Old Testament thing or what does that look like in the scriptures? Okay, so the New Testament is primarily focused with us living a Christ-like life. You know, okay. Talking about living a life apart from sin. But yeah. it does get into what happens afterwards. I mean, mm -hmm. after this age. The big book, of course, is Revelation. You know, where it gets yeah. into Revelation. talks about the big things. Uh, that's the big go-to book for what happens. Uh, as far as the Gospels go, what people usually go to is Matthew chapter 24 and 25. It has... The most detail of any other passage, yeah. uh, apart from Revelation, as to what happens. Uh, and it, Jesus goes into, he doesn't really go into details more as he does snapshots of this is going to happen and okay. this is going to happen. Uh, Mark 13 and Luke 21, verses 5 through 36, is well, really the same story, but it gives you, a, you know, the two different authors, you know. Yeah. A viewpoint of the same thing. It doesn't go into more as much detail, but it does cover that. First Thessalonians chapter four verses thirteen through eighteen. This is where we get the idea of the rapture from. Okay. Uh, in this passage, uh, the Thessalonians, uh, oh, poor guys, they thought that if you died before Christ returned, you were going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, Paul assured them, hey, no, uh, you know, if you do, those people who do die before Christ returns, you know, if they are the Lord's, yeah. they're going to rise up, and then those of us who are left are going to be raptured behind them. Yeah. Second Peter chapter 3, uh, well, even in Peter's day, he heard people messaging, uh, mocking him, you know, you said Christ is going to return. Well, where is he? Yeah. Come on, it's <laughs> been a while. Where is he? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, so we're having that today. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's 2,000, almost 2,000 years. And Peter was telling them, well, keep in mind that how we view time is not mm -hmm. the same way that God views time. Views yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. What seems a long time to us is nothing to God. So in the book of Revelation that you talked about, you know, Jesus gives John this vision and he shows him, I think, what a lot of people talk about whether they may not know this language, but there's like these bowls of rats, there's these trumpets, these seals. Maybe take a moment and just talk, what are those and what is it that God's revealing through those different trumpets and bowls that we see in the book of Revelation? Okay, start with the seals. The seals, uh, what John sees, are basically like how we used to even seal envelopes Okay. Uh, as recently as the 1800s. Yeah. You know, just using wax, you know, to seal something. And... Here in Revelation, Jesus has a seal or, or, or a scroll, and it seals seven times. Okay. And what I presume John sees is Jesus taking a divine letter opener or something yeah. <laughs> and whoosh, going across. But what John sees, he sees it in slow motion. As Jesus breaks the first seal, you know, the first horseman of the apocalypse comes. Okay. As he breaks the next three, the, the rest of the four horsemen yeah. of the apocalypse come. It looks like the breaking of the fifth and sixth seal has something to do with the church. Mm -hmm. uh, and when he breaks the seventh seal, that's actually when seven trumpets are blown. So the 
seven trumpets and the, the last seal are one and the same. Okay. Now a trumpet was used, you know, to make a proclamation. Mm -hmm. If a king had a proclamation he wanted to make it public, he would blow it. It would also be used in battle to sound the attack or say, hey, there's a warning, the enemy's over there. Yeah. And along these same lines is what these trumpets are for. They're, they're warnings, they're, they're announcements. Uh, they're decrees of God that this is going to happen. Yeah. The first four uh, of the trumpets, when they blow, they tend to be uh, celestial events, things that happen from the sky and they're going to come down to the earth. Okay. Uh, one big one is uh, some uh, looks like a meteor is going to hit the earth okay. and really do a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. A giant meteor. <laughs> uh, the uh, next two trumpets sounds like the there are demons in various places that have been locked away since the beginning of time because they've been deemed too dangerous to be let loose on the earth. Yeah. They're going to be let loose. Okay. And anyone who does not know the Lord at that time is going to be tormented by these demons. Mm -hmm. And then the last trumpet is the announcement that Jesus Christ is returning. Okay. It is the second coming of Christ. Okay, so the last question... Jesus talks about the end of the world. You reference that, you know, Matthew 24 and 25, and then, you know, Luke talks about that, Mark does as well. Apart from Jesus, he gives us, I think you said, kind of these snapshots or these quick pictures. What is it that Jesus conveys kind of the heart of how do we get ready? Like he's telling us these things, but there's the heart behind that of here's what I want you to do with, you know, that as you're thinking about the end of the world. What Jesus' main message has always been was, hey, we need to stop sinning. Yeah. We need to get right with God. And Jesus only talked about the end of the world because his disciples asked him about it. Okay, yeah. Because uh, they asked, because they were expecting Jesus, they were, the disciples themselves were expecting Jesus to come as a conquering king and you know establish things. Mm -hmm. The disciples themselves, even though Jesus told them he had to die, did not believe he was going to die yeah. and ascend to heaven. So the disciples didn't have their heads on straight. Mm -hmm. But Jesus' main message has always been you know, you need to love God. Yeah. You need to love your neighbor. You need to stop sinning. You need to mm -hmm. repent of your sin. Well, last week I challenged you to, to read Matthew 24 because Jesus talks a lot about this. Jesus talks about what this looks like. And in Matthew 25, he continues the conversation. Jesus doesn't stop with just telling them the signs that when the disciples ask, is this the end of the world? What is this all gonna look like? He doesn't stop with just, telling them the signs, but he begins to talk to them about their heart. And this is what I want us to look at this week. Is this the end of the world? Well, what if it is, what is Jesus asking us to do? What does he tell the disciples in this moment? And in Matthew 25, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm not gonna read the entire chapter, but Jesus gives us three stories. And I want us to look at why he's telling them these three stories as it relates to the end of the world, because I believe they're very pertinent to where what we're facing right now and the time that we're going through right now in this moment. So I'm gonna paraphrase the story and then I'm gonna read um, a verse at each of these, kind of at the end of each of these stories. Jesus begins with this story of 10 virgins. These were 10 bridesmaids that were waiting in that Jewish culture for what was the Jewish type of wedding. It looked slightly different than the weddings that we had, but, but there was this idea that the groom would go away and prepare a place for the bride, um, and that's what Jesus said he was doing for us. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. 
And then he would come back and he would, with a loud voice, he'd cry out um, that he was ready to take his bride unto himself. And Jesus gives this illustration of these bride bridesmaids, okay? So these bridesmaids that are waiting and they're expecting, right? They're waiting for this wedding ceremony. They're waiting for this party and some time has passed and there are five of them that are prepared. So when the call goes out, hey, the groom has come to rescue his bride. The groom has come to take his bride. Five of them were ready and five were not. And they don't have lamps and it's kind of dark outside and they don't have the fuel for their lamps. And, and so they don't know what to do. They run off to get some fuel. And by the time they come back, the ceremony has already started and they can't get in. And Jesus says this, therefore, in Matthew 25, 13, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. This whole story that Jesus told was simply for this. You don't know when God is going to bring all of this to a close. You don't know when all of this is going to take place. So you need to make sure that your heart is ready. You need to make sure that you're keeping watch, that, that you're living with this expectancy that God, today could be the day. Today could be the moment, God, where you come back and where you bring all of this to a close, God. And so I'm waiting. I'm expecting, God. I know that this could be the moment. Do not get caught unaware. What is it that Jesus is challenging us to do? He's saying, church, you better live every single day expecting for my return. You better live every single day waiting and anticipating that this could be the day that I come back, that I return to rescue my bride, to call my bride unto myself. You have to be ready. You don't want to get caught in that moment where you're... Um, caught on the outside of the celebration of the party in heaven, of the festival that is going to be taking place. Jesus said, make sure that your heart is prepared. Now there's this verse in the Bible that says, we don't know the time or the hour. No one does. That Jesus is going to come on a day when no one is expecting, when no one's planning for it. So I have this little inside joke um, during my prayer time that I try to pray with God. And so I'm like, God, you could come back today. Today could be the day. And I look up at the sky, God, you could split the sky wide open. All of this could come to an end. And as I do that, I laugh because I think, okay, Jesus, I expected it today. So you can't come back today, right? Like you said it would be on a day when no one was expecting it. I know that's not how it works. But Jesus says that's how we should live our life. That we're not living like, okay, God, I'm just doing my own thing. Eventually, I'll get around to serving you. Eventually, I'll get around to loving you. God, eventually, I'll get around, God, to spending time with you. No, he said we live every day with this expectancy. We're watching. We're keeping watch in our hearts and in our lives because we don't know when all of this could end. We don't know on the day or the hour that God will look at his son and say, okay, Jesus, go rescue your bride. Go call those that are waiting. Go call them to yourself. We don't know when that is going to happen. So he says, live every day with expectancy in your heart and in your life. Live every day ready. And so we're not holding on to anything in this world too tightly. We're not holding on to anything in this world. What God has blessed us with, we hold it with a loose hand because we know that at any moment, Jesus could call us to himself. He could end all of this and bring restoration and end this evil that we see in the world. And so he says, keep watch. Keep ready. Be expecting for my return. And then he goes into another story in Matthew 25, verse 14, all the way through 
um, through verse 30, he tells the story of a master that goes away on a long journey. You can see all of these parallel to what Jesus is doing. A groom that's going away to prepare for his bride, a master that's going on away on a long journey. And so he calls his servants to himself and to each of them, he gives a bag of gold, a certain amount. To some he gives a lot, to others he gives a little. And to one that he gives five, um, what's known as talents of gold, um, as the master comes back, when he returns from his journey, the person that had five says, look, I now have 10. I took what you gave me and I multiplied it. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things and I will put you charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. The one with two brings two more. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. He says the same thing. You've been faithful in a few, I will put you in charge of many. The one that he gave one bag of gold to went and hid it. And he says, I didn't want to lose it. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know when you were going to come back. I didn't know what all was going to take place. And the master replies, take the bag of gold from this person and give it to the person that had 10. For whoever has more will be given and be given in abundance. And whoever does not have even what they have will be taken away from them. Jesus gives this story. You don't know when all of this is going to end. You don't know when the master is going to return. So take what God has given you. He's entrusted you with some talents. He's entrusted you with some skills. He's put something in your heart and in your life. Use it to multiply and for the glory of the kingdom. Use what God has placed in your life for the glory of God's kingdom. Use what God has placed in your life for the glory of God's kingdom. I'm repeating that on purpose because I want you to get the heart of this story that Jesus is telling. He's saying, hey, I've, I'm going away, but I'm not leaving you empty-handed. I'm going to give you something. And what I'm going to give you is to build the kingdom of God, to impact others, right? To make an impact for God's kingdom. I'm placing something in your hand. I'm challenging you to do something with it. Don't just sit idly by. Don't just hide it in the ground. Don't just tuck it away. You don't know when I'm coming back. So I'm challenging you. Use it for the glory of the kingdom of God. And so the person that had five talents, they do that. And Jesus looks at them. The master looks at them and says, well done, good and faithful servant. If you take what God has given you, he's going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You used what I gave you. And you used it for the glory of the kingdom of God. Enter into your master's happiness. Enter into joy. Enter into eternity. That's what he says is going to happen. Use what I've given you for the glory of the kingdom of God. Now, some of us, we look and we say, well, God, I don't have five. I only have two. I only have one. There's not a whole lot that I can do. God, I don't have some national platform. I don't have thousands of followers on Instagram or on social media or on Facebook. God, I don't know a lot of people, right? I'm not a celebrity. I'm not very popular. God, I'm not a great singer. I'm not like people that get up on a Sunday morning and, and lead in these songs. That's not who I am. I don't play an instrument. I'm not even a good communicator. So I'm not the best person to talk. Jesus, I don't have those things. I'm telling you, God has placed something in your life. What do you have in your hands? Are you a manager? Do you lead other employees? Are you a teacher? Do you have the ability to take kids and to help them learn new things? 
Are you skilled in your craft? Are you a great mechanic? Are you great at working with wood? What is it that God has placed in your hand? God is saying, use it for the glory of his kingdom. Are you a business owner? Then use your business right to build the kingdom of God. Are you a stay-at-home parent? Are you a stay-at-home dad, a stay-at-home mom? Then pour into your kids. Use that time that you have with your kids for the glory of the kingdom of God. Are you a teacher? Then teach as if you're teaching Jesus. Use it for the glory of the kingdom of God. Use it to build his kingdom. Use whatever you have. You'll notice that God, the master, did not look at the person with two and say, why didn't you get 10? Why why don't you have 10? No, he said, you took what I gave you and you multiplied it. You took what I gave you and you multiplied it. It doesn't matter how much or how little you have. God's just wanting to know, are you going to be faithful? Are you going to use it for the glory of the kingdom of God? Are you going to tuck it away? Are you going to hide it? Are you going to try to use it for yourself? Are you going to say, God, I don't know when all of this is going to end, but God, with every day, with every moment, God, every gift, every skill, everything that you've given me, God, I am going to use it for the glory of the kingdom of God. Lord, I want to hear when all of this is done, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's happiness. Enter into God's joy. That's what we wanna hear. I wanna challenge you, use what God has placed in your hand right now, right here in this moment, no matter how big, no matter how small you think it is, use it for the glory of the kingdom of God. There's one more story that, that he tells here, and it's the story of the sheep and the goats. And once again, I'll quickly try to paraphrase this. He's gonna separate the world into two groups of people, into one he's gonna look at to the ones on his right hand, and he's gonna say, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was naked. I didn't have any place to live. I was homeless, I was sick, I was in prison. You visited me, you gave me food, you clothed me, you took care of me. And the people are gonna ask Jesus, when did we do all of these things? We think we would have remembered. And he said, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. Then there are gonna be those who's gonna look at and say, I was hungry, I was naked, I was cold, I was homeless, I was in prison. You didn't come visit me, you didn't take care of me, you didn't feed me, you didn't give me any drink. Jesus, when we think we would have remembered, we would have seen you when you did not do it unto the least of these, you did not do it unto me. Then they will go away to their eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Jesus said, hey, showing kindness, showing compassion. You don't know when all of this is gonna end. And so you live every moment looking for an opportunity to serve those around you, to love those around you, to take care of them. And Jesus even says it like this, when you do that for others, it's as if you're doing that unto me. It's as if you're giving Jesus a cup of cold water. It's as as if you're inviting Jesus in. And if you saw Jesus, you would say, hey, definitely I'm gonna share my meal with you. And when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Now, we say this a lot here at NCC. We are not saved by our works. And you may read this and think that I've got to do a lot of good things to earn my salvation, right? I've got to do enough good stuff to outweigh the bad. That's not what Jesus is saying here. But what he's saying is if you're truly a follower of Christ, 
if your life has been changed, if your life has been restored, you're gonna enter into God's story of redemption and restoration. It's in your nature now. It's not who you were before. You used to live as selfish people. You used to live as, as people that were only concerned about taking care of you and looking out for yourself and not looking out for others. But when you came to Christ, when Jesus forgave you, when he made a difference in your life, something changed inside of you. And now you're someone that looks at homeless people. Now you're someone that looks at those that are hungry. Now you're someone that looks at those that are in prison. And you're saying, man, how do I take care of them? How do I help them enter into God's redemption story? How do I be a part of what God's doing to restore and to make all things new? It's in your nature now. So Jesus says, when you're thinking about the end of the world, when you're thinking about how all of this is going to end and how all of this is going to take place, let me tell you what I want your heart to be like. I want you to keep watch. I want you to be ready because you don't know when I'm going to come back. I want you to use what it is that I've placed in your hands for the glory of the kingdom of God. And I want you to serve everyone that you come in contact with. I want you to take care of those around you because in the way that you serve them, you're serving me. I've changed your nature. You're not selfish anymore. That's not who you are. You're not conceited people. Now you live a life of compassion because you're my followers because you're a part of what I'm doing to redeem and to restore this broken world around us. When Jesus talks about the end of the world, he doesn't just talk about timelines. He doesn't just talk about signs. He doesn't just talk about what this looks like. He talks about the condition of our heart. Keep watch, be ready, use what I've placed in your hands, serve those around you, love like I have loved you. You're gonna be a part of what I'm doing to redeem and restore all of this broken world. And just like we talked about last week in Revelations 21, behold, God is making all things new and we get to be a part of that. Let me pray for us this morning that not only would we see what God is saying, maybe the signs around us, but the condition of our heart would be what Jesus wants it to be. So I'm gonna ask you to take a moment to bow your head and to close your eyes. Let's pray together. I want you to reflect on this. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you're on the outside of these stories. Your heart isn't ready and you're not using what God has placed in your life. You're using it for yourself. Maybe you're even using your gifts and your abilities and what God's given you and it's bringing death and hurt and destruction to other people. Maybe you're not taking care and showing kindness and compassion to others and you're not living as a follower of Christ. This morning, you're not listening to this message on accident. You didn't just stop here on Facebook because it seemed like an interesting topic. Is this really the end of the world? You're not just on this streaming service because it's what you do on Sunday morning. You're here because Jesus continually invites us into a relationship with him. And if you've not taken those steps to enter into that relationship, if you've not taken those steps to surrender your life to Christ, he's inviting you in this morning. He has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. And the Bible's very clear. We cannot fix ourselves on our own. We desperately need Jesus to come and to restore us. That's why he's the savior. That's why he's the rescuer. That's why he's the redeemer. Because he alone has the ability to forgive our sins 
and to make us right, to bring us back in right relationship with God. So I wanna ask everyone that's listening to this to pray this prayer. And you may be praying it for the first time. You may be recommitting your life to Christ. Maybe you've walked away from God, but this morning you're saying, no, I want to come back to him. Then I wanna ask everyone to pray this. Let's all say this together. Jesus, I come to you and I realize the brokenness in my life. I've sinned. I've made mistakes and I need your forgiveness. So come into my life. Be the savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. And I pray this in your name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer and, and this was you recommitting your life or you're starting a relationship with Jesus, we are so excited. The Bible says that heaven is rejoicing, that heaven's celebrating and God's throwing a party and God is giving you a brand new start. He's doing something new in your life. And we are so glad to be walking on this journey with you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. What has God given you that you can use this week to serve someone else? When we serve others, we're serving Jesus. Here at NCC, we are all about making people and places new, and we want to know how we can help you grow in your faith. Connect with us online at newcommunity.co. We would love to hear from you.